0: This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans.
1: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing. But rest assured you're not alone.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 246 of the Stacey West podcast. It's been quite a week in the world of Lincoln City and it can be easy to forget that there is a game of football to be played. So, we're not going to be talking about managers or head coaches almost at all. We're going to be concentrating purely and simply on the game itself. We're going to be talking Fleetwood. We're going to be talking Charlton. We're going to be talking a few other bits. And I'm going to be talking about this with Mr. Charlie Beeston. How are you doing, sir? I'm
3: doing very well. You say we're not allowed to talk about managers. I want to talk about Tom Chaw, though.
1: Oh, that's different.
3: (laughs) Oh, that's that's fine. That's fine.
1: We're not not (laughs) going to talk about um, what's happened last week. So there's going to be no talk of Mark Kennedy. There's going to be no talk of... Danny Cowley, which I know will disappoint Chris from his drunken episode in our WhatsApp group on Friday night. Now, obviously,
3: we can make it up to Chris by talking about somebody else later on.
1: Yes, Chris has got a new man crush, Um, although it's a little bit dubious because it is on a teenager, which um, is probably not the the best thing, although said teenager teenager would probably crush Chris because Chris is a mm-hmm. you know he's a he's not a massive lad is he and, and as we know this teenager is a big he lad certainly
3: is but and we're he... not going to mention his name yet either
1: no we're not no we're, we're, we're tiptoeing around it aren't <laughs> we so um no do you know what it's really strange Charlie because if you'd said to me on Wednesday the, the, the pod that you're going to do on Sunday it's going to have this like upbeat vibe because that that's how it feels mm. it feels like we're going to be upbeat throughout this until probably we get to what we've got to do on Tuesday um but we're going to be upbeat certainly for, for 25 30 minutes and it given the week that we've had and given okay here we go it's the first time we've sacked <laughs> a manager so we are going to talk about it it's, it's the first manager yeah. sacking in nine years it's the first time that we've sacked a manager and then had to go into a league game um afterwards mm. since 2011 when we sat Chris Sutton and Steve Tilson came in is obviously the other seconds when, when National League there was a real I don't know about you but there was a bit of an apprehension where are we going to go from here and actually you know, we'll break everything down in a minute but I woke up this morning and you know I could have jumped up clicked my heels and headed off down the yellow brick road I was that happy
3: yeah Wednesday and well Thursday morning especially I, I kind of put it in my clip that I added for the pod on Thursday that I actually was really excited and looking forward to what was coming, but I was looking forward and excited to the point where we got a new manager in and we could start building from there. I, I always worry when you've got somebody in charge who, you know, it, we, we don't expect anyway for Tom Shaw to be the permanent manager and, you know, still be in the dugout this time next year. So there is that kind of real worry. I mean, last time we had an interim manager, we ended up losing, two games, three games. Um, and, you know, one of them was being smashed 6-0 at home. Well, I, I, know, I know I shouldn't mention it because we are going to keep upbeat because that isn't what happened yesterday. And like you say, there was a bit of apprehension, a bit of worry, really. But we didn't have a need to be, did we? Well, it's like you say, it's that, it's
1: that interim period is always actually quite tough. And um, between Dan and Nick leaving and... Uh, Mike Abbott coming in, we did. We lost 1 0 to Bristol Rovers. We drew 1 um against uh, Rochdale, if I remember correctly, although they yes. didn't have Ethan Hamilton playing at the time. And then we lost 6 0 to Oxford. And there's always a, a feeling that that period between losing a manager and getting a manager can feel like a hiatus, can feel like a tread in water. You can, you know, you sometimes look at the poor guy in the dugout and, and he's like a rabbit in headlights. And we'll come on to everything in a minute, but Tom Shaw didn't look like that at all. Actually, He looked like a head coach. And I'm not saying anything more about that, but you could tell he was somebody that had been around the players, that had worked with the players, that the players had respect for. Look, we're getting well ahead of ourselves, aren't we? So um, in the words of mid-90s Swedish funksters, stack a bow. Here we go with the talk of the game itself. First of all, what did you feel about the team selection?
3: Um, It kind of seems like it's a common occurrence that every single week we have 11 players Put to us at two o'clock, and we're sat there trying to work out how on earth they're going to line up. Um, and Saturday was no different. I wasn't too sure whether this maybe looked like it was going to be some kind of a diamond midfield, whether we were going to have Smith and Bishop out as two wingers in a 3 4 3. Um, it's not really how that happened, it was more of a 5 4 1, the but it wasn't, it was like a 5 2 2 1, in fact, because actually Smith and Bishop were with more set up as number 10s, especially for the first half. I think the second half, they actually sat a little bit deeper and, and wider to create more of a flat flat midfield four. but we'll come into the second half later. But I was actually quite sort of pleased, in a way, with the um, the lineup. I think the fact that Burrows, obviously, obviously Burrows on the left wing-back, uh, great. The fact that Sean Rowan wasn't in the squad was obviously a little bit of a question mark, but I also... Think that him being dropped for a game might actually be good for him, because you know we, he has had a few mistakes recently. So him getting dropped is probably probably actually a good thing in the long term for for his development. But yeah, I was actually quite happy. And then it got even better at about quarter to three when it came over the Tanoi that Jaden Stockley had been removed from their bench as well. So in terms of how they were lining up, they were then even weaker than what they were at two o'clock.
1: What, what was the crack there I, I wasn't actually aware of that what uh by being removed that sounds quite ominous <laughs> no, no, he, me, that. <laughs>
3: um he got injured in the warm-up apparently so he was replaced from the bench with with another player oh that is a shame isn't it um
1: yeah <laughs> do you know what i um i kind of echo your thoughts there was a couple of things that i i noticed first of all my first thought was was how the hell are they going to line up? And we had that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think we said, you know, it's it's going to be kind of a box midfield. It's either going to be Bishop or Smith out wide, which won't work, or it's going to be Bishop and Smith tucked in as kind of two number tens, a little square box midfield, which is how it how it turned out. And bear in mind, Rowan I think was also dropped for the Burton game, so I think it's more a case actually on the Stacey West ratings. Alex Mitchell has got three man of the matches this month so far, <laughs> so he's done really well, and yeah. we you know yeah. he, he, he he's carried that on we've got an abundance of really good defenders Mm -hmm. and we should be defending set pieces better than we were up until yesterday, which again, we can talk about. Um, My first was look at the bench and Jovan McCarma was back on it, Mm -hmm. which is important because he wasn't against Burton. So the only striker, the only fit striker that we had was left out of the squad completely. Mm Now I've been quite harsh to Jovan because I've said, I think he looks miles off league one football and actually Again, but yesterday when he had, when he got on, I thought he did really well. Come mm-hmm. on to that, Jack Vale on the bench. We didn't get to see him, and again, we'll come on to why. <laughs> this, you know what? There's so many talking points from it. There is. It. Jack there is. It. So the team comes out. We look at it. We work out what we're going to do, and you want to make a point.
3: Uh, I do because there was actually another omission that um we haven't mentioned that was depot. Chidipo wasn't anywhere to be seen and there was no comment as to why either. So hopefully not a a long term thing with him.
1: No. And again, it could be we need fit players, obviously, Mm -hmm. because at the minute we we are still struggling. Um, But yeah, a little bit of a surprise. But then, you know, you can have a knock here or there. I, I, I would hope that there isn't anything more more to it than that. I certainly don't think that there is. So anyway, I watched it with Chris. So we're sitting there. First five minutes, thought, bloody hell, they look good. You know, they were moving the ball about uh, the boys at Quaterma, I think his name is, on oh, the right-hand side there, 15. Oh, incredible. every time he got every time he got the ball, I, I just had to clench a little bit because Joey's like, oh, God, here yeah, we go. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like when you go over the peak of a roller coaster, he gets on the ball and you think, <laughs> oh, no. Um, and, and Jack Marriott looked quite lively. That was five minutes. Then on the sixth minute, it's the first time we've had a sustained spell of pressure if you're talking long throws we've had that in recent weeks but we've not attacked them and the difference here for me and i'm sure that you know it, it's coincidental first long throw we put in the box pordy's there and he attacks mm. it it doesn't win it but obviously it leads to leads to the goal which at that point you know that smashes their game plan doesn't
3: it absolutely um to get a goal so early on is exactly what we needed going away up there um because let's be honest, our issue has been in attack. So to get a goal so early away at Fleetwood it then kind of alleviated a little bit of pressure on the players and obviously the dugout as well. Um, yeah, the long throw was brilliant. Rico, obviously, like I say, poorly challenging for it. It showed a real desire from all of the defenders all game. In fact, most of the players full stop all game showed a real desire. Um, so that kind of symbolised that even in the sixth minute. Obviously Rico with a really, really nice little flick on it. It just showed a, a passion of look, even if we're not going even if I'm not going to be able to score, even if I'm not going to be able to put a pass together to somebody, it's just flicking it on. It's a constantly recycling of the ball. It's something we speak about a lot. It's something that's happened a lot this season. We have gotten goals from it. You know, Bristol Rovers away, for example. Our goal came from constantly recycling from a set piece. This wasn't quite as much as that because the ball was still in the area, but it's still trying to back just trying to get it closer and closer to that goal, Mav. And we did, and Alex Mitchell passed.
1: Yeah. And then when I say I always I say this and, and people listening will know I say it loads of times, but actually Fleetwood disappointed me. And and obviously that's not the case. They didn't disappoint me because I don't care. <laughs> but in terms of the players that they've got, you know, Josh Vailer, good player at this level, Danny Mayer, super player at this level, Ryan Broom, Jack Marriott, obviously the, the boy on the, the the wire from Waterford, the, the, the fifteen, superb looking player. But They just never got going. And I I don't think that was as much down to them as it was down to us. I thought we put in, in the first half, what I would class as an almost perfect away performance. We've got the goal. And then we've been really tight. We've been really contained. We've sprung a break when we needed to spring a break. I don't think we ever looked in danger of conceding a goal in the first half. I thought, if anything, we looked more likely to score, although we didn't particularly create a huge amount ourselves. Um, But it was just, you know what, from the second the goal went in, there wasn't actually a moment at all where I thought, I don't think we're going to win this. And I don't know if it was, the players just played with, a uh, there was was an element, in my opinion, and I don't know what it was like at the game, but in my opinion, from what I was seeing, everybody just looked a little bit calmer, a little bit more composed. Everybody looked like they were just a little bit on the same wavelength, and I'm not suggesting or hinting at anything. I didn't see any bickering between players, and there was some mis- there was the odd misplaced pass. I don't know. I just it just felt like the Lincoln City that we thought we were going to have served up in August. Well,
3: look, we were on the pod after the Blackpool game, weren't we? And I've made a specific point. I think there was something like two minutes into the game. There was a specific moment where there was a real calmness on the ball in our defensive third to be able to play it between Sorensen, Pordy, and I think it was Ethan Hamilton, to pass it around to then get it out of trouble. And I really praise them for that, because being able to be comfortable on the ball so early on is something that you really need. We we, we haven't really been seeing that for, for the last sort of month and a half, really kind of since that moment. Like I say, things haven't really been going well, haven't necessarily been going our way, or whatever it might have been. We haven't really seen that. Yesterday, we did. The calmness on the ball was incredible. And like I said, I didn't think we were going to concede at any point because those three centre-backs, and for the record, I'm not uh, insulting Sorensen and Burroughs by mentioning these three first because I will get on to them. But those three centre-backs defended that box like it was the final minute of a playoff final. And they did that at least, like I said, for those first 45 minutes, 100%. And then even in the second half as well. But that first half, when it was sort of our fans stood over uh, the penalty area that they were attacking. It was absolutely incredible to see some of the challenges flying in. I mean, Jack Burroughs made one sort of just in front of me. And then Adam Jackson was also doing it. And for the record, I want to give a lot of praise to Adam Jackson. I feel like he's a bit of an unsung hero often at this football club. And I think, again, yesterday, he was absolutely brilliant. Mitchell is obviously going to get a lot of the praise because he scored, but he also deserves a lot of praise for his defensive work. And Pordy, well, we know that Pordy is one hell of a defender really proved that again yesterday those three centre-backs especially were absolutely incredible and it was I've, I've read your um your write-up just before we came on guys and you mentioned that Lee Johnson had said that he wanted their fans to celebrate every single tackle as though it was a goal to really try and get you know get the team up we did that we were the ones that every single tackle that we made our fans were all cheering for because it was huge it just alleviated a lot of the, like you say, a lot of the worry, a lot of the apprehension that we were getting coming into Saturday, you know, especially after everything that happened midweek. One tackle early in those first few minutes suddenly made that all go away and realised this is a game we're going to win. This is a game we can win. This is a game we should win. And yeah, we
1: did. <laughs> I liked, you've you mentioned there tackling. I mm. think there has been... We haven't been a, a, a tough tackling side of late. Now, that Boris one that you mentioned, because you've, you've, you've mentioned the centre-backs. That's brilliant. I'm going to mention the full-backs no. because, um, I mean, Chris, I, I nearly had to peel him off the sofa given <laughs> how high the full-backs were playing because he loves a high fullback. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. If it, it was up to him, fullback there wouldn't be full-backs. Just be, there wouldn't even be wing-backs. He would just have, you know, play up top, get up there. <laughs> So we were playing a really high line and you have to do that when those two tens took him, when Bishop and, and Ali Smith are taking in those, they've got to get up there and they did. And we created a bit from it. And, and actually I think the injury to last, cause he, he took a pretty nasty whack on the arm. If I remember and at one point he was playing with it, just hanging yeah, at his side. And, we were very and worried. I think that it slowed him down in the second mm-hmm. half. There was a few breaks where I I think last kind of came away and he, he was affected by that. I want to go back to that Boroughs tackle. <laughs> Because actually, just before that, he'd been made a not a fool of, but their boy had left him on his ass. And and do you know what? If we could, if and I often get asked, oh, which player would you sign from another club? And I, I used to say Mark Helm at uh, Burton's, Thought he was a great right. player. Now I'd go for that lad, the fifteen quaterma I mean, what a player he is. He's got what you. He's got what you need. He's he's a player mm-hmm. and a half. So he's done Borras, and he's away, and Burris has got up, and that challenge has to be. Perfect. Because if he takes any other player and not the ball, the ref's pulling a card out and it's it's in the area. Do you know what I mean? It's, it, it, it's mm-hmm. absolutely inch perfect. I thought Burras uh, was excellent yesterday. I thought he was absolutely excellent. He had a tough time against Burton scoring the own goal, but I didn't think he played that badly. I thought he was superb and I thought Sorensen the same. And this Lincoln City, the, the things that we've done well all season that we just begin to begun to forgot the last couple of weeks, it's the defensive unit, it's the high fullbacks. Remember against it was either Wickham or Blackpool, and I think it was Wickham. That big switch over to Las Sorensen on the flank, it worked time and time again. You can just see in your mind's eye, can't you, Lewis Monson would come comebacks? Mm. He <laughs> loves that ball. You know, he yeah. would thrive in this with those high fullbacks. So full credit to them. Another player I'm going to give credit to, and it was another challenge as well, and I've written about it in the first half. Uh, that might have been in the second half, this one. Ali Smith. Yeah. And he's a player who, by his own admission in, in interviews, hasn't quite done as well as perhaps he would like. Fair play to him. Spoke yeah. out about it. He said that. I thought that yesterday he put his best, best performance in, in a Lincoln shirt. And there was a 50-50 challenge with Unciala. Now, Unciala is, um, in my opinion... Not a great footballer. You know, if we signed him, I'd be like, You're gonna to need to protect him. And and there was more, yeah. you know, that that was proven later on. But he's a big bastard. And you go, you Joe, know, you're going into a challenge with him, you're gonna feel it. And Smith didn't shirk it. And I thought, you know what? For a midfielder who's an attacking midfielder, you've got this image of him being attacking midfielders, you know, shirking a challenge, this and that. Yeah, I heard the crack. We were watching on on, on iPhone. I heard the crack in rugby through the window, not through the television. I mean it was, do you know what I mean? It was bang. Yeah. I don't sorry if I've just made anyone jump there, but it was bang. <laughs> Respect for that. That was that that those two moments epitomized, I felt, across the whole team. There was no shirking tackles, there was no standing back. And I don't think Fleetwood really knew what to do about it in the first half.
3: No, I don't think that they were quite prepared for us to have come come out and come at them just as we did. Um, and like you said, we we were, we were playing a high line, but it's not exactly like we were able to create that many opportunities. But the fact that, that we then weren't caught out at any point, not really, in terms of them getting in behind, because like you say, the likes of Burroughs constantly getting getting back and protecting what is his area of the pitch. But like I say, he, the amount of running he must have done yesterday, i say with Sores and on the other side as well, I... Um, I watched uh, MK Dons versus Accrington's highlights, extended highlights earlier for for something else. And um, Accrington scored when an MK Dons player was dispossessed, Alex Gilby, in the midfield. You'll remember we were linked with Alex Gilby um, a season and a half ago or whenever it was. We were heavily linked with him. And he got – he lost the ball then just stood there, let the player run slowly, by the way, away from him, when he could have quite easily then put a foot in and got the ball back. But he just stood there and let it happen. Really sort of lethargic. I didn't see anything like that from Lincoln yesterday. And sometimes you do worry in the way, the way that we were going, sort of the form that we were in, if maybe some of the players were going to start feeling deflated if things weren't to change. And those are the sorts of things that we may have seen down the line in, at Lincoln. But I think yesterday proved that that isn't the case. I um I made a comment on the coach on the way to the game yesterday about the fact that this is the best Lincoln City squad probably of my generation. I actually used the word ever at first and then got shot down by a few people who were around in the 80s so rightly so. Yep, yep. Um but I said, you know, change it to of this generation. And some somebody turned around and says, "Yeah, but what's the evidence for that?" And to be fair, it's kind of tough to find some of the evidence on some recent performances because we're talking, you know, we, we talk a lot about how this is one of the greatest squads we've seen at Lincoln city, you know, at, at this time anyway. And um, in terms of the, uh, the whole squad depth as well, Just like somebody said, well, what's the evidence yesterday was the evidence for me yesterday was exactly what we wanted this Lincoln city side to be when we were sat there talking before the Bolton game about how strong every single player is. When I did the month, month of the show with yourself and Chris before the Bolton game. We're talking through pre-season. Okay, yeah, we've had some good results. We were really, really optimistic about every single player on that pitch being able to put in a shift constantly and be able to get something out of nowhere. And I felt that yesterday just proved, again, the unity and the togetherness. It's something that we've not seen recently, but it's something that we really had yesterday, and it's so good to have back.
1: Now, I claimed somewhere, I might have been on the radio this was one of the strongest squads i've seen in my lifetime at lincoln mm-hmm. city um, but i don't think it's a complete squad because i think we lack an out and out wide player we've got duffy mm-hmm. we've got shadipo but if you want to play 343 three with those two wide players mandroyu perhaps isn't that he mm-hmm. he sits inside um bishop isn't that ali smith isn't that okay so you, you kind of duffy kind of depot mm-hmm. a delicate potential. There is, there is gaps. There isn't. We don't All have sorts. like a Quaterma type player. <laughs> uh, but if everybody's fit, it's probably the squad that I think gives us the most options in terms of switching things around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do think, you know, we've got we've got some talented boys. I mean, Ethan Hamilton is as good a central midfielder uh, as I've seen in my lifetime at Lincoln City, uh, apart from Liam Bridcock, potentially. Mm-hmm. And, and Ethan Arahan is, is, again, similar to that. So, um, no, that was the first half. So you know, we're obviously happy about the first yeah. half. Here's you and I waxing lyrical. Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. It wasn't ripping them apart, but it was more chances, more creativity than we have seen. And you can go back then to that. Well, we haven't got a striker, which kind of does. There was a moment, it was Nathan Ethan Hamilton shot. Their keepers parried yeah. it. And it's prime Ben house kind of, you know, if cent- a, a center forward's going to mm. pick that up. And we, we didn't have that. So there is that caveat. You'll do know, we were doing the things that we've been we know we're good at, we were doing those right again.
3: Yeah.
1: But the one thing we haven't been able to do is sustain that over as two um two halves. Now there was a change. I think that they went 4-4-2 in the second half, and I think they brought on Tishmanga up top. Mm-hmm. Um might be wrong about that. I'm, I'm 90% sure that they had a a, a shape switch at half time. And it just gave them a little bit more in terms of, of, of attacking intent. It gave us a little bit more to think about. I thought that in the second half, they controlled possession more. They had more of the ball. Again, aside from that little spell where they had the two free kicks in dangerous positions one after the other, I never felt they were going to score.
3: No, we managed to lock down the game really well. And it's something that I feel like we. there are a couple of times where we've struggled with that recently. Um I felt like we, at times, looked a little bit lost in the second half as well. So, you know, we we, we heap a lot of praise on us for, for yesterday's performance, but I do think there was a couple of couple of issues in the second half. But there are issues that we already know about, but the fact that actually what happened was Bishop and Smith fell deeper, whether that was a tactical change that was meant to happen or whether that was just a game state situation of them just needing to, to come back and provide cover with Aaron and Hamilton, you know, but they it kind of became a flat 5-4-1 and you praised smith um earlier on and and I very I, I sort of agree I felt like he struggled more obviously more in the second half but at the same time he was then pushed out to effectively a, a left well a wide midfielder so he's then not really in the position he probably wants to be in Sorensen and Burrows were then obviously took back a little bit further to the point where they were almost full backs and that was then kind of reaffirmed when Sean rowan came on at, at left wing back or left back by that point but yeah like I said we we were pushed back but they didn't really look like being able to do anything it's just whether it was the final pass the final shot whatever it was they just couldn't seem to get through us and you know it probably reminds Lincoln fans a lot about what happened with Burton last week Fleetwood reminded me a lot of Lincoln City last week at home to Burton there was there was a lot of that sort of comparison that could be made, um, and I felt like obviously Rico went off early in the second half, and, and Joven came on. You know we'll, we'll talk about Joven, but I thought that having Joven up top, I, I felt he felt he was a little bit isolated at times. But I still feel like he's perfect for the out ball to go to because he's the sort of person that's going to be able to hold the ball up if we well, then want to counter attack.
1: Let me chip on in Jovan, on mm. Jovan because I have said I think he looks a long way off League One at times. Yeah. Um, and I thought last actually yesterday was he, he got more football than we thought he would. And I think him coming on when he did meant Jack Vale didn't get a run out. I think Jack Vale we looked at and said 20 minutes will bring him on at the end of the mm. game. But then when you've already changed your centre forward and brought Jovan on, you can't really bring Jack Vale on and then you put Jovan out it's wide. It's, it's square pegs in round holes. I actually thought Jovan gave on Siala a torrid time. And you know, we're talking here about a center half that's played in League One for a majority of his career. He's played for Ipswich, he's played for Shrewsbury. He's, he's now playing, you know, a, a half decent side. I don't think they're as bad as some of the teams that we've played this season. For Jovan, obviously, he did him for pace, which for the red card. Mm. Um, but there was the chance he created, which was the ball over the top, and he's cut back inside and laid it on for Ted. I was impressed with Jovan, and I do you know what? On that basis, I'm not one of these that says start him; he can't be worse than anything else. <laughs> but I, when he came on, I, I, I think I said to Chris, "Well, there goes our attacking intent." You know, the mm-hmm. ever the pessimist kind of thing. Um, and I actually thought he played; I thought he played really well. He's got some really good pace, and he would have scored had you know he not had the merest of touches from Anciala to send him down, because it was only the merest of touches as well.
3: You see, for me, I think yesterday kind of symbolise Joven and and what we've seen of Joven anyway. Brilliant, brilliant off the ball. He's got the sort of athletic ability. I do sometimes just worry about his on-the-ball ability and his technical ability. But at the same time, when he's playing isolated as a one-man striker up there, when he's really just having to do the counter-attacks on his own, actually, he's kind of excused for not being able to necessarily create that many things on the ball because he's not got the options to create. So he's having to do things himself. And actually having the physicality and having the the pace to be able to do that is exactly what we needed in that scenario. So Jovan came on, he had a mission and he executed it to the best of his ability.
1: Yeah, he did well. Look, we're, we're 26 minutes in, we've got quite a bit to get through. I mean, it. You know, by the time the final whistle came, it was however many in minutes of injury time. Mm. I, like I keep saying, I never felt we were going to concede. And XG, XG kind of backs that up. The their XG yeah. was 0.86 throughout the game. And I think 0.5 of that was created in the one moment from the two free kicks, mm-hmm. which they still never looked like scoring from. I just, there was never a moment where I'm like, we're under the cosh here. And, you know, we talked about touches in the box, by the way. We've, we've said how you know, we've, we've not been great on touches in the box on average all season. And um, you and I have spoken off air, so this isn't news to you. I won't pretend that it is. 16 touches in the box. And the only league game where we've matched that so far this season was Wickham at home, and you have to go back to Morecambe away, which was a you know a crazy end-to-end game. I'm told. I don't know. I was too drunk <laughs> to see it, um, but that was 17 touches in the box. That's the last time we had more, and it wasn't a brilliant attacking performance from us. It was a better attacking performance, and we we had more purpose to our play. And I just think, do you know what? The Tom Shaw era might last three games. It might. It might. Do you know what? But you can see in Tom that the, he's not just kind of a, a a makeshift coach. I know you want to talk about him a bit. You can see that he's somebody who's ingrained in the club. You can see he's somebody that the players have respect for. They're watching him while he was celebrating. I don't know. There was something in the way the players were going to him. It was almost not like a father figure, but it was. Yeah, you know, there was a, there was an element of respect there. There was a sing. There wasn't a single ever bit of evidence. For me, that suggested that he wasn't the full time coach. So, uh, do you know what I mean? There wasn't any yeah. standoffish, there wasn't anything. You could see that he's part of what's going on. And any new guy that potentially comes in, you know, Tom ain't going anywhere. I was really, I was absolutely delighted for him. And I just, I, yeah, people go on about passion and that's what it means mm-hmm. and all the fist pumping on the sidelines. That's brilliant. Yeah, of course, it, it does mean that he works for the club. He, that's, for me, that's kind of a given. And, you know, Mark Kennedy didn't not have passion and people go on about Michael Appleton, but I remember the win against. Peter Brewery was kind of cheery, so it happens. It was more the attitude and the application of the players. It was more the way we set up. It was more the fact that there wasn't any evidence whatsoever that this Lincoln City was a Lincoln City in transition or treading water or kind of trying to get through the next few games. It looked like a continuation of the good things that we expected us to be doing from the last couple of weeks, and for
3: me, that's really vital. 100%. I think I made a comment actually on Wednesday night. As soon as I found out that obviously Kennedy had been sacked and the press release came out and I read it on the club's website and it said that Tom Shaw was taking sort of interim, interim charge. I put a message in the group chat almost immediately saying, I'm actually really, really pleased and excited just to see how he can do. And I'm not going to get drawn into a conversation about is Tom Shaw a candidate or anything like this because nobody knows, right? We, we can sit here and speculate until the council, but nobody knows. But I 100% agree. Tom Shaw is Lincoln City. Lincoln City's Tom Shaw. He just lives and breathes this club, and it's obvious. I think the fact, like I say, the fact that the players just look so unified with him. It was like he was one of them. They were one of you know. They were part of his coaching team. There just seemed a real unity in there. Um, I listened to his post-match press conference just earlier, and he just seemed really happy to and privileged to be given this opportunity, and not just. Because it's an opportunity to, to step into a manager's role for for however many weeks, but it's also the opportunity to work with these players. He's clearly got a massive respect and admiration for the players, the the other all other behind the scenes staff, Scott Fry and the rest and everybody else. Um, obviously an, another man who will mention in a minute as well. He seems to have a great admiration for him, but then also the board uh, and Liam. There's clearly now a togetherness. Just e- even more, and I'm not going to comment on any, whether there wasn't that beforehand, before Wednesday, but we're talking so much about the fact that the players are clearly fighting for each other on the pitch. Tom Shaw was It's one game. Just a caveat, it is. It is. It one is. game. Um, but I just, he seems really, like I said, privileged to be here, which then I makes mean, be- the fans sort of have a privilege to have him in the dugout.
1: To be fair, he's not going to come out and go, nah, it's shit, mate, is it? <laughs> <laughs> he's, not but, 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 he's not going to go, well, i have
3: kind of done it, have, but I don't but really want the job. I mean, Gain- Gainsborough was better, I want it? He's not, he's not going to come out and say But you all have like, watched it and listened to it, and did it at any point seem anything other than genuine? No, of course it didn't. But That's and, the thing. I, and and to be
1: fair, there have been interviews in the past from some um, yeah. head coach is, that, that have seen disingenuous, and I, I didn't mm. feel that from Tom. And... Yeah, no. the fact. Let's not forget, he's been at this club. He's probably, you know, in terms of serving staff, he was here under Danny and Nicky Cowley. Yeah. He was here under Michael Appleton. He's been here under Mark Kennedy. He'll be here under the next manager. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. he's kind of underpinned, and we talk about you know the, the key people at this, the, the the Clive Nates and the Liam Scullies and things like that. And actually, we've had a lot of coaches come in and move on, but Tom Shaw's somebody that's that has been behind the scenes for a while. So fair play to him. And you talk about we're not going to talk speculation about whether he's going to get the job or not, but actually announcing, moving on, announcing or unofficially, of course, at the moment that Chris Cohen is um, mm. going to be joining the coaching staff. You know, for me, that there may be nothing in it. It might just be that Chris is coming in for a couple of weeks. But we're talking about a guy coming in on the coaching staff who six months ago or whatever it was, maybe longer, um, was you know, assistant manager at a Premier League club who you know, was an assistant manager at Luton Town when they got um, up into the playoffs. He was the uh, sh- blah, 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 Nottingham Forest under-21s manager. He's a Nottingham Forest legend. Um, it obviously came out. He was pictured with Jimmy Walker. It kind of broke on the radio. I then got a message from a, a, a club source kind of saying, look, just so you know, Chris Cohen is um, is coming in. It was alluded to as bringing somebody in in uh, Liam's interview. Um, He did just underline that it's not the Chris Cohen from uh, the American rock star Chris Cohen, which I I didn't need that, but it was nice to have the clarification anyway. Um, And I think that's interesting. I really do. But, I mean, it's not unusual. I listened to a podcast the other day where um, at Boston, Steve Evans at Boston brought... Tony Pulis in to do a couple of um, training sessions. So it isn't unusual that people turn up and do training sessions at, at, at different clubs. And, and, you know, if Chris is just kind of tidying himself over, I don't know where the connection is. I'm sure there is a connection there um, somewhere down the line. But yeah, in, interesting um, coaching appointment, whether it's short term or not, isn't
3: it? It 100% is. In terms of connection, I don't exactly know the timeline, but could he have been? forest under 21 manager whilst we have brennan so we may have had quite a strong link with him that season that covid season um just a thought but yeah it's it's really really smart from the club to be able to kind of bring somebody in we're not going to outwardly name him as an interim manager or anything daft like that it's just we're bringing in a coach to help support the coaches that we've already got to help just keep tidying things over until we uh, bring somebody in more permanent it also means that we're no, that we're not I'm not saying no longer because I don't think we ever were, but it also means that we're not rushed into bringing somebody new in because we've built a solid foundation of coaching staff, oh, obviously we've already got half of that anyway, but it's just solidified that the coaching staff to the point where we're no longer you know we're no longer apprehensive really about these games in the interim because we've got a solid foundation there um so I'm really, really pleased and impressed with the fact that we've managed to bring him in probably one of the best sort of free agent coaches on paper that we could have got at the minute and um, so again it's it kind of just shows the pull that this club has which is obviously another big thing that we'll be talking about over the next few weeks in terms of who we may end up bringing in
1: well we um, will we hope well, we will. Nice. He, yeah, we don't want to lose. You've said that. It's the Stacey West curse. We now miss out on our first yeah. four targets, and next thing you know, it's Beeston and Hutchinson in the dugout, ably assisted by. Um, I was going to say Ben, but we're not that desperate.
3: Um <laughs> shall we? I didn't want. I didn't want to comment. Um, I would. I would just comment on. I I listened to the Gary Baldy Red podcast that they did with Chris Cohen, and he made some really, really good comments that will please a lot of Lincoln fans. He sort of commented on the fact that he realised that his time at... When when he was at Southampton, it didn't necessarily go that well with Nathan Jones. He realised that actually what they did at Luton wasn't just about what they did on the pitch, but it was about the atmosphere that they created around the whole club. So it's something that we really appreciate as Lincoln fans because it's something we always harp on about. The atmosphere at the club's great and everybody behind the scenes, it's great, it's brilliant. There's always a good togetherness, all of this. And he's, he's somebody who's already had a good experience of that and a bad experience of that. So we already appreciate how necessary it is in a football club.
1: Yeah. And of course, the, uh, the other thing that you've got to ask is, um, does it make any serious difference to the next manager odds, which I know that we're not talking about? But um, it's funny how now I think Nathan Jones has jumped up in the odds <laughs> somewhat. <laughs> uh, so Nathan Jones was 33 to 1. He's now 25 to 1. Um, but Tom Shaw at the moment is now favourite, 5 to 2 joint favourite with Stephen Bradley. Then Danny Cowley, Steve Cottrell, Damien Duff, uh, Carl Robinson. Carl Robinson. Um, do you know what? If Carl Robinson's appointed as co- head coach of this football club, I will cry. Basically, I'll cry.
3: Can it be live? Because I'd rather I'd, enjoy. You know <laughs> Honestly, I say enjoyable, but it wouldn't, though, would it? No, it wouldn't. It would just be
1: a dismal because he's a brick. Um, right. Shall we go to an advert on that note? Um, when we come back, we're going to be talking about. Chris's teenage crush, we're going to be talking about Charlton Athletic and I think we might even have an impromptu game of Burridge as well, seeing as it got quite a good bit of feedback last time. But first of all, here's people trying to sell you things you don't want and if you buy it, it's not our fault Go. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love.
2: about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
1: Brilliant. Thank you, salespeople. I don't know what it was for. Um, don't listen. If it was for McDonald's, crack on. I've got burgers for dinner, actually. I think mm, Fee's bought some nice ones. We had a Chinese last night. I ran I five kilometres.
3: for dinner. Oh, good. I like
1: a steak. Yeah. What do you have with it? What, what's your steak? What's your favourite well, steak garnish?
3: I'm actually having roasted vegetables and corn on the cob today um mixed it up just because that was cheap and in the reduced aisle at tesco's um but i've also got another steak that i'll be having tuesday probably and that'll be some just some cooked up fries uh just homemade potato fries Born and... on the
1: cob and vegetables i know and... i know oh.
3: but you know, to buy it, you know what
1: yeah, you were, you were struggling students, sat
3: there all wrapped
1: up like it's December, saying so you
3: can't tell man. <laughs> yeah. you're having steak twice this week. i am going to say I bought two today and it ended up being a rather large shopping bill. You, you, you can't afford
1: a nice bloody pile of chips and a couple of uh, cooked tomatoes with it and a bit of pepper sauce. I'm and...
3: just... Oh, no, I'm not a fan of the pepper sauce. Pepper Why? Sauce.
1: What sauce do you have? Do you have that um, hollandaise, is it? I don't what know what the sauce we don't have a sauce with a steak?
3: No. Oh. I
1: just All right, we're going to move on. Let's talk <laughs> about football. Honestly. Honestly. i tell you something. You may as well be eating out of bins with the habits that you're talking about. And I'm not talking about the old department store in Lincoln either. I'm talking about actual bins. The what? Corn on the cob and vegetable with steak and no sauce. Good God. Anyway, Freddie Draper. <laughs> just pause for a second because somewhere Chris is whimpering now. Can you hear it? <laughs>
3: Freddie I'm Draper. we am not to... saying that like Chris is going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got to be absolutely clear
1: before we go in on any further. Right. Just in case we can't recall Freddie Draper until January. <laughs> That's it. I wasn't going to put Freddie Draper on the agenda because, you know, oh, okay, he scored a hat-trick and we talk about him all the time and it's so frustrating. It's almost like a bullseye at the end of the podcast. Here's what we could be having, a robust 19-year-old striker who scored eight goals with two assists. Oh, wah, 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 but he's playing for Walsall. But instead, you want to talk about him. So I'm just going to hand over to you, Charlie, while I shut off.
3: Oh, great. OK, look. Freddie Draper, yes, okay, we can get really frustrated all of this. There's going to be a conversation around, should we recall him in January? Of course there is. I'm not actually going to go down that line. I'm going to talk about something that I think Andy Pearson might get very, very annoyed at me for talking about, but it's the model. The good old model. Look, Freddie Draper, I I had a conversation on Saturday about our academy and somebody says, well, you know, we're invested in the academy. What are we really seeing from it? And I mean, it got me back up a bit. I've got to be honest. I'm thinking, well, Freddie Draper, this was obviously after he'd scored his hat-trick. Freddie Draper has, like I say, eight goals, two assists already this season. He's a young striker doing that in League Two. And for the record, his three goals, if you haven't had a chance to see them, they are three proper strikers' goals. You've got one where it was a through ball he got, and he managed to slot it past the keeper running through. There was another one where it was a lovely ground pass and he just flipped it on into the net. And then another one where it was a bit of a scramble in the middle of the area, but he, he managed to knock it in threat funnily enough, they're the sorts of goals that we're struggling to score at the minute. And so, you know, I'm not going to go on to that because, like you say, it just makes everybody a little bit depressed. But what Freddie Draper's doing every single game, it seems, at the minute, is he's increasing his transfer value if he stays at Walsall until the end of the season. And he carries on in the way that he's doing. Let's say he ends up getting 20 goals this season. At this rate, he's going to get more. But let's just say he gets 20 goals this season and he carries on performing to the same level that he's doing we're going to have a very, very expensive striker on our hands. And it, a lot of the times when we're talking about the model, I, people sort of say, well, Peter would do it, but they do it with strikers. We're doing it with sort of defenders and that we're not actually getting as much money for it. And I hear comments like that. Freddie Draper is the exact sort of player that we're getting through our academy to then be able to sell on for some really, really good money at this rate. So I just wanted to say that basically I was really, really impressed with Obviously, Freddie Draper, he got the hat-trick. Can't not be impressed with him. Um, but, yeah, he he's symbolic of a wider thing of we've got a really, really good structure at the minute, and Freddie's starting to prove that. Seven goals in seven games. 28
1: shots in total so far this season. Yeah. 53% shot accuracy, by the way. So every other shot that he takes, he's on target. His goal scored eight. His XG is only 6.25. Uh, he's created five shot assists as well as two assists for his goals. Um, he's looking like quite a player. And I did a rather unfair comparison on the touches in the box and said that if you took... And bear in mind that some have been injured and they haven't played, but if you mm-hmm. took Jack Vale, Jovan Makama, Ben House, Tyler Walker <laughs> and keeper Delican's touches in the boxes and added them all together... Um, Freddie Draper had still had more. I mean, that's unfair on Jack Vale of course, who hasn't played, and unfair on Tyler and Ben House, who, who have been out for most of the season. But of the five players that are either yeah. strikers or have played centre-forward for us, I didn't put Rico in because then it would have been more. Um, and, and, you know, you, you fix you fix the stats to say what you want to Tell say. Tell me you're a that's... journalist without telling me you're a journalist. <laughs> yeah, that's, but that's what numbers yeah, are there. yeah, Numbers are there. To, you can make any yeah. number say what you want if you really want to. That's why politicians are good at what they do that's mm. why you know the Tories are saying well we only lost because it was a low turnout." no you didn't but anyway we're not going to yeah. go political um so that's Freddie Draper are you happy that we've done Freddie Draper well, I'm happy is Chris happy well Chris is obviously going to be happy and he probably <laughs> will listen as well because he's meticulous um so mm. and that, that's a uh, Ben that's not um that's not me taking the mic if you look meticulous up it means that he's methodical in his research um anyway so let's move on. We've got a game coming up against Charlton Athletic. Uh, we have a preview. We have a uh, we're going to discuss it. Should we have a quick game of Burridge? Oh, go on then. Around Charlton Athletic. Oh, bloody hell. All right. What do you reckon? Seeing as it's seeing as it's they're the team that we're playing. For those who don't know, uh, Burridge is a game that we've made up. Um, which is he's kind of tried to base it on call the house from talk sport, which is a a game with no real rules. This has got real rules. Burridge is as follows. Um, Charlie in a moment when he's finished looking at his computer screen, to see who's played for Charlton and Lincoln, uh, because I can see him doing it. I was was looking (laughs) at another message in another group (laughs) chat. So we're going to say to players that have played for Charlton and Lincoln. And if one of us gets five seconds into our go and we can't say anything, you then say John Burridge, uh, the winner. Uh, is the person that has either got the most amount of Charlton's or if John Burridge has actually played for that team, um, you win. We might have to change the rules in the future so that instead of John Borridge, we have several players who you base it on. So it might be Jefferson Louie or it might be, you know, like somebody who's played for a million, but it's Burridge for now. Do you want to kick us off for a game of Burridge?
3: Oh, lovely. Uh, let's go Teo Eden then. Ooh, good pick. And I'm going to go Conor McGrandalls. Yeah, I knew you were going to go there and now I'm not sure. Um... One of our current squad, Jack Payne. Oh, he's not one of our current squad. No, he isn't. But I'm going
1: with it. Steve Thompson.
3: Um, you're leaving the current squad to try and help me, but now it's not. Um, 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 um. You know what
1: you're gonna have to do.
3: I am Burridge
1: no, John Burridge did not play for Charlton. I don't know if he did actually. Should we Google it quickly?
3: You, I would say you probably knew that before you even started. That's why you picked Charlton.
1: Well, no, because we, I picked on because we play them, Charlie. Yeah. Oh. That's obviously. why we play them on. We play them on Tuesday. Just so you know. Uh, let's have a look. There are an awful lot of teams on John Boridge's list. Uh, there are some London teams on John Borridge's list. There is not a Charlton Athletic.
3: Who's the current player then?
1: Rico. Oh, uh, Rico was on the books of Charlton uh, as a youngster. Uh, I also had Dean Chandler. You remember Dean Chandler? He was a Charlton boy who came to play for us. And I also had George Shipley, who was in my Panini sticker album at the same time as Steve Thompson playing for Charlton. Lenny Lawrence, I think, was our assistant manager and manager at Charlton, but that didn't really count. Um, Danny and Gesson, potentially.
3: He was at Charlton,
1: wasn't he? Yeah. I, can't think. I think think Aaron Brown. Was Aaron Brown at Charlton? No, it was EQPR, Bristol Rovers, Bristol City, Swindon. Who we got on the preview, Charlie? Take us there.
3: Yes, so on the preview this week, there is Ben, first of all. Uh, ben has been cheating at speaking. Cheating? cheating. <laughs> Ben's been cheating at Borage. <laughs> Well, he might need to. I still got further than Ben, so I, 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 that's not really the barometer, is it? I can't really use no, that. No, that's not, that's um, not no. a barometer. No. Um, yes. He didn't get um, any, did he? <laughs> he just he went for it straight away. <laughs> he, he didn't and even panicked. get Ethan Hamilton, which is very disappointing. No. Um, yeah, Ben has been speaking with Tyler Rowlinson from Charlton.
0: I'm Adam Jackson, and this is the Stacey West podcast. Obviously, he's turned things around for you guys after you know after Dean Holden's left what went wrong with holden and what has appleton changed um in the setup or just how you guys are playing
4: it's a, a combination of different things i remember back to remember back to holden um during that time i remember when we sacked him it was a uh, I thought it was a very premature decision considering he had a lot of things against him. I think the players just weren't really performing but that being said with what Appleton's done now, I think tactically Holden was a bit inept. His substitutions were a bit questionable as well if he made any at all. Um, Whereas Appleton, he's come in and he's been able to install his own system. He's uh, adopted, I think, now a 4-2-3-1 and stuck Mm -hmm. with it and it's worked a treat so far. We're now fighting for the ball. We now look like we want the ball and want to compete in games and when we are ahead it's not usually like a Charlton side but we look to score more goals and we look to punish teams and that's what we did against Reading and what we did against Exeter a few weeks ago so I think under Holden we were just really just in it and just didn't look good pretty much the story of our lives the last couple of seasons in league one but Appleton for whatever reason has just got us clicking is it a new manager bounce it could very well be but he's keeping the form going with the team is as I said performing we're fighting and we're looking very good at the moment and four points off the playoffs I think you know, is uh, his kudos to that as to what he's doing with us?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, you know, let's let's talk about that because you said you said they're four points off the playoffs. We're obviously can't, we're obviously on the same amount of points. Yep. I think there's probably a, a big disparity between attitudes among the fans of both cl- uh, both clubs, though. I'd probably say at the minute we've we've probably had a bit of a, a downturn emotionally <laughs> over the past <laughs> few weeks. Obviously, you know, last week being uh being a bit of a culmination of that with uh, with mark kennedy sacking yeah um but pre-season were you relatively confident going in thinking playoffs at minimum and you know we can potentially strive for a, a top two finish or was it another one of maybe we can you know have a another season of consolidation before launching a challenge next year
4: I think the expectation was really high for us going into the season. I think not just amongst the fan base, but I think in general as well for the league. I think the bookies had us quite high as a challenge for promotion. You can only read so much into pre-season because we were playing the vast majority of it against non-league sides. We played, I think, late in Orient in pre-season. Our biggest test probably was uh, Millwall, which was a very good good, uh, test and a good... um, display of what we could do we drew that 2-2 but then we played Aberdeen the week before the season and got smashed so you can only read uh, so much into that but um as I said the expectation was really high I think that really come off the um that I think that really come from the jam- uh, the summer transfer window where we had probably one of the best um one of the best windows I think I've seen in a very long time we signed some really proven league one players the likes of Alfie May uh, Kamara on loan. Uh, even Tyre Eden, former Lincoln player, of course, uh, mm-hmm. a few other players in there as well. Um, Harry Isted, who was in hot form as well, coming in from Barnsley, Lloyd-Jones from Cambridge. We just signed some really good players. And obviously, it took a little bit of a dip uh, towards the end after Holden got sacked. And then we just kind of, on deadline they just went with quantity over quality. And we just made sure we got that depth in the team. But as I said, I think the expectation was really high. I expected us to get top six uh, going into the season. I thought that was a minimum target, considering we'd recently been taken over and our club's stature, we should really be fighting for that and at the start of the season under Holden, it looked like we were nowhere near that and looked like we were going to fall back into the mid-table mediocrity that we were for the past few seasons but Appleton's got us fighting again so I think that expectation is very much real again. I don't see why we can't reach that top six at the moment, especially with the form that we're on and the way that we're playing so yeah, it's it's, uh, it's been a good turnaround, let's put it that way, from the start of the season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned that you've, you sort of Settling on a four-two-three-one at the minute. Yeah. Um, looking back over a few games, it seems like they've you've, you've had games where you played four-four-two, you've had four-three-three, and you're kind of settling on that four-two-three-one. Yeah, is that kind of showing the a bit of tactical flexibility that you've got um, in the side, or is it is it something that tends to you know you start the game, that's it, that's plan A, and it doesn't really alter from there? Or did do, do, you know is is Appleton switching things up throughout the game to to try and impact it? I think it's
4: down to the overall depth of the squad that allows us to do that, and the different uh, players we have. We normally, I mean, we we normally stick to four two three one, and I think that's a it's a formation we usually run with throughout the whole game. As I said, with the options that we have, we usually do. We're able to do like for like swaps. There are times where he does shift to to up front or four three three or goes all out attack with three strikers on the pitch at one time, and I think that's where, as I said, our depth comes in nicely, where we have the flexibility to do that. But as I said, I think Holden he's really stamped his authority with the four two three one, and at the moment it's working a treat. So, um, but I, th- I think there is I think there is some some flexibility there for sure, mainly because of the depth. But I think Appleton knows the players that he has at his disposal, and he can get the best out of them in different ways. Hi, I'm Sean Rowan and you're listening to the Stacey
0: West podcast.
1: Brilliant. Thank you so much, Tyler. Thank you, Ben. Obviously that gives us their overview, but from the outside looking in, I mean, Charlton are a team who shouldn't be in this division, in my opinion. They're a championship-sized club. You know, they were always a top-flight club for me on and off growing up. They were the the yo-yo club and Rally Kerbishley. They were very, very good. Um, There's the added, there's the Appleton factor I think that that's going to be a big factor for everybody but since he's gone in there Charlie what a job he seems to be doing.
3: Uh, Very much so it's uh, like I say it's going to be Appleton's name is going to be brought up more than anybody else's Tuesday afternoon and it just is but they're unbeaten in six under Appleton now they've scored 16 goals you know they're they're playing a back four They're, they're tending to have more possession than their opponents you know it They've got a really, really strong squad. And I said, I think it was me and you on the pod, Gary, just before, or just after, sorry, Michael Appleton had gone in there at Charlton. And I said, I think this is the perfect squad for Michael. I think they're going to do really, really well this season. And, you know, from a from a slightly mediocre, in fact, no, let's not even say mediocre. It was a poor start for them this season. But Appleton's come in, they've picked it up, and I can't really see them not getting playoffs. I know it's really, really early to say, but they seem to be doing exactly what you would expect them to do on paper and that's score and win um so yeah I, I, they've got some really really impressive players i mean George Dobson in the midfield is someone who I've always been impressed with Me, too. Um, Me yeah, too. Sorry, did, did I did I steal steal the one i I'll let, I'll let you talk further about him then gary
1: no, no, you're all right. you, no, all all all
3: I mean, all you know, George Dobson, I
1: always liked. He was at Walsall when yeah. they came down the year that we went up, and he was, you know, he was outstanding for Walsall, even though they were really struggling. And he had uh, a pretty rough time of it at Sunderland. I think he went to. Yeah. He's a former West Ham youngster. He's really, really good on the ball. Just the sort of player that that um, Mike Clapton's going to like. Mm. Just like um, Scott Fraser is, is just yeah. the type of player Mike Clapton's going to like. Chuck Sanike up top is is mm. just the type of player he's gonna like. He'll he'd like a Miles Lee he'll mm. like an you know Alfie May is there, and obviously they've got Teo who, um, who who's you know, we know all about him, Conor McGrandles who isn't even playing at the minute, is not even getting in the side. You know, on paper, I looked at Charlton's um lineup this season before Michael Appleton went there, and I'm pretty sure I called them kind of if not top six, top eight. Um I have absolute faith actually in 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 Michael's ability as a manager to um get the most out of the right set of players. And I think I think his last season with us, you have to kind of you have to take into account his cancer scare. You have to take into account the expectation that was piled on by the overachieving the season before. And um, there was a couple of transfers that didn't work out for us. I think he he wanted to sign from what I understand, Chris Maguire. Hakima yeah. Delacan was a second or third choice. It didn't work out for us. He was you know, we 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 left ourselves light up top, and then Tom Hopper's injury kind of made, made. So there was a lot of mitigating factors. The football wasn't great at times. I get that but I think to some of the good football that Michael's team played. And I think he's got a squad capable, absolutely capable of doing that. And, and you know, like I say, there's, there's Fraser and Dobson who I like. They've got Tenai Watson there, who I think was targeted by Lincoln whilst Michael was in charge. Um, Lee Byrne, May, Anike, they've got, centre-forwards that are going to hurt you. And we haven't even mentioned Panucci Camara, who no. is one of the players that I looked at at Port... Every time that boy got on the ball for Plymouth, yeah. you thought... He, he was like Quaterma yesterday for Fleetwood. Mm-hmm. Every time Camara gets on the ball, you think, hmm, something could happen here. It, that
3: was the case right back when he was with Crawley in 2017-18 yeah. season. And it's again that they're the sorts of players that Michael Appleton is going to absolutely love. And I've got a, another name noted down. It's, it's Corey Blackett-Taylor. Now, yeah. For me, Blackett Taylor's been one of those players where his numbers haven't actually lined up with how good of a player he is. You know, he, he's had, I think, eight goal contributions two seasons ago, 11 last season. He's already got nine this season. He's got three goals, three assists in the past five. He got three assists yesterday, you know, in a, a four-hill victory. I think he's an absolutely fantastic player. And I think he always, always uh, performs well against us. I remember specifically going away there. I think it was the. Uh, was when we took a 1,000 down there. And I'm struggling to remember what on earth the scoreline was of that game now. But I was always really, really impressed with him running down the left wing. And I think Sorensen is going to be in for, a re- assuming it is Sorensen on the right wing back, I think he's going to be in for a really, really tough evening on Tuesday. Two, three points.
1: One, was that when we lost 2-1 and Danny Mandroyu scored late on? Um...
3: No, that was last season. And what about so the season before? The season before that when yeah. I, still,
1: I still think they beat us. I seem to think something they... like... 3 2 or 2 1 or something. Well, did we win
3: there? We won, didn't we? Because didn't Whitaker score then get sent off? Well, didn't we win 2 yeah, 0? Yeah, yes. yeah, That's it. We won 2 0. That's it. Yes. Did. I think um, uh, Scully got the other goal, if I'm not yeah.
1: mistaken. Second thing I'm going to say is they were great. They did win 4 0 against Reading. You know, they only had 42% possession, <laughs> which is unusual for a Michael Apperton yeah. side. So a 42% possession, 16 shots, 8 on target. Reading had 14 5 on target. Yeah. So but against Exeter, I mean that's a, that they destroyed Exeter four-one. Their xG was four point one five. It's rare that you score four goals and your xG is for something. Fifty-seven yeah. percent possession. I mean they tore them apart. But Shrewsbury did the job on them. no mm-hmm. no draw. So, do you know what I mean? It's I think we can get a point from it. And the third thing that I was going to just mention, Corey Blackett Taylor, oh, he said always seems to do well against us. Do you remember
3: mm-hmm. him being sent off
1: against us for anybody?
3: For I mean, it anything. happened other than Charlton. Yep. I am struggling to remember. Go on. Tranmere Rovers. We beat 1-0 in Michael's <sighs> first
1: season. First it will we beat 1 0 at our place.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna say that was that at home.
1: It was at home. Yeah. We didn't get to play the away game because the away game there was the one that was scheduled the week ah. after Burton that was cancelled. We beat oh, him one the... 0 Right. Yeah, he was sent off. I yeah. seem to think was he on loan at that point. Yeah, he, uh, no, he wasn't. He had signed on free. He was on loan at Walsall, and then he signed free. And he was, uh, oh, he was, he was sent off. I can't, I can't actually remember what for, but I remember him being sent off just after half time. I seem to think. You watch. I'm going to check it now. Clicking yeah. away. looking in the background. It was the second time he'd been sent off that season as well. Been sent off against Bristol Rovers. Sent off on 40 minutes. So he was sent
3: off just before half time. OK, so maybe he doesn't always do well against us. But <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a player that I'm always scared when he gets on the ball. You know, yeah, like, he's a good player. Yeah, like yeah, like we've spoken about, other players in yeah. that team. And and this is the thing. I think they've got a load of really, really good ball carriers, which is something that Appleton's really going to want in his team. They're going to be able to play some really nice football under in this season.
1: You've got to carry your balls well, Charlie, haven't you? You certainly do. <laughs> yeah. If you carry your balls wrong, you can be in a lot of trouble. Wow. Well, um, so there we go. <laughs> right. So this has been episode two hundred and forty-six of the Stacey West podcast. actually you know what? I've really enjoyed this one, and I think we oh. said we were going to at the top of yeah. the thing. We've That's covered Fleetwood. Beat. Yeah, we've covered Fleetwood. We've covered Chris Cohen. We've talked about Chris's teenage crush. We've had a good game of borage, and it wasn't that. Yeah. It was actually nice to play with someone who didn't just go, "Oh, please stop straight
0: away." <laughs> um
1: We've had a great. In, we've had an interesting Charlton preview, um, and then we've discussed Charlton yeah. as well. I think Tuesday night is going to be an interesting game, the return of Mm -hmm. Michael Appleton. He will almost certainly get booed by a section of the support, which I find a real shame um, because I liked Michael as a person, Okay, as a a manager in the second half of the season. It didn't particularly go well, but I liked him as a person. Um, You know, and he he went through
3: a bit here. And he took us to within one match of the Championship. People forget that. How different is it going to be, is it, you know, compared to the uh, Portsmouth coming back to us? Or coming to us and Danny, Danny, and Nikki's first game back at Central Bank when they weren't managing us, and all of the talk was about oh we've got to back our own lads, you know, let's not clap them too hard and all of this. And now we're talking about the fact that we're going to be booing the next man, you know, Michael Appleton coming back. So there's such a such a difference there, and it, it will be a shame when he does inevitably get booed because I, you know, I, I was not in any way Appleton out. I was very there was a lot of mitigating factors as you as you've already mentioned. Um, yeah. I, but at the same time, I will very much boo him if they beat us on Tuesday night. <laughs> I will boo him. Controversial opinion Michael Apton
1: was better for this football club than Mark Kennedy. I don't think that's controversial. I don't. I think some, but people, I th- some people I think sure of, will,
3: but I don't. Yeah, there'll
1: be one or two people listening now. I don't know um, if, if one or two of the people who, fo- who I follow on Twitter or converse with on Twitter are listening. They will They will probably disagree. And I'm not saying Mark Kennedy was bad for this football club, by mm. the way, because he carried us. He took what was a relatively poor kind of ageing squad that, that needed a lot of remoulding and, and, and helped us to do that. Yeah, but then a lot of that's got to go to Jess George, you know, the pantomime villain that only ever gets criticized, but when things go right, it's not his, yeah. you know, it's not, it's never Jess George's doing when things go right. You know, Jess identifies or helps to identify and brings in the two Ethans and everyone's going, the Ethans are great. Who brought them in? Ah, let's forget about that. And move <laughs> on. Whoa. Yeah. And then it'll be like, but he signed Chris McGuire. Um, anyway. That's episode two hundred and forty-six of the Stay Swiss podcast. I was about to wrap it up, but Charlie jumped in and started talking again. He's a talkative little bastard, isn't he? This Charlie beast, and you can, he's, got, he's going again. That, that's why I'm on Come a on podcast. That's kind of the whole you point, can isn't I'm it? And just a minute. Oh, I can look at that. I can mute. his mic. That's brilliant. <laughs> I'll unmute him again. Uh, thank you very, very much for listening. It's been a good podcast. It's been upbeat Tuesday night. We're back at the bank. If we take a point from it, I think it will be a superb, a superb result. We finish a turbulent week, 10 points clear of the relegation zone. We finish a turbulent week, I think, four points off sixth with a couple of games in hand. There's not a lot more to say, is there? Other than up the imps.
0: Up the imps.
2: about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
1: It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in.